evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the Fugazi catalog, from Fuga A to Fugazi. I'm your host, Ian James Wright, and joining me today to discuss Cassavetes from the 1993 album In on the Kill Taker is Jared Coffin, administrator of the Facebook group called This Is Not a Fugazi Appreciation Society. Uh, Jared, welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks a lot for being here. I appreciate um, you know you and the other administrators working on that Facebook uh, group because um, yeah, basically before I started this podcast, I had a couple of unresolved uh, questions, like undecided things that I was wondering about. So that was a good place for me to go and ask Fugazi fans like how I should proceed with things. Um, so that's been helpful. And aside from that, um, it's just a a fun place to go to uh, to see little oddities people are posting cool pictures and interviews and videos and whatnot so it's fun thanks for your work there oh yeah it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun it's going on five years i think in august yeah. and uh i i was asked to do it by uh, somebody uh, his name was jeremy zarens he asked me to uh, he asked me to jump in because of my knowledge and uh recently i picked up sam noble who's also uh he's become a pretty good friend uh from from england and he helps me out with the administrative stuff but it's totally democracy. We try to keep it that way, and we try to keep it real cool with the, with the fans. Very little problems there, and uh, we all seem to get along really great. It's a great thing. Yeah, well, people with knowledge, that's exactly who I need on this show. So uh, it's good to have you here. Do you, want, do you want to tell me a little about your relationship with Fugazi? Uh, when did you first uh, get into them, and how did that proceed, and how have you related to them through the years? Well, it, it's a couple, a couple things actually happen, and it, it gets a little weird. Uh, how I actually really acknowledged the band. First, I, 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 my sister was looking at colleges in 1990, and she, she looked at a James Madison University in Virginia. Um, she had a, a recital to get, um, to get a scholarship there. And we went down, and the guy walking around the campus said to me, I had my Walkman. I was, just, I was only in sixth grade at the time. Um, and I had my Walkman, and he's like, what are you listening to, buddy? And I'm like, Belle Biv DeVoe. <laughs> <laughs> and he <laughs> nice poison you know poison. that song he's like oh man and i'm like why well what's good and he's like well this band called fugazi was just here a couple weeks ago if, if not a week ago I, I can't remember his exact words but uh and uh recently i've been able to look back at that show and it, it's exactly the same clothes everything was the same as how i remember hearing about him but it didn't click it didn't fugazi did not click for me um then uh in about eighth grade, I was sitting in a doctor's office waiting room and he had NPR on. <laughs> yeah, a waiting room. Yeah. And he had NPR on <laughs> and um, they started talking about Fugazi and how the, the integrity of the band and, and everything like that. And I, I was blown away by the $5 shows. Of course, I was a kid at the time. So the, the all age shows was really a great idea. And just the, the humility that, that uh, I, I got across from this program. So uh, I sat on it for a couple of years, or like about a year, and I, I bought a margin walker, and I loved Promises. That really stuck out, but I, I hadn't heard Waiting Room or anything like that. And then um, actually a friend gave me his In on the Kill Taker, and it sat on, on my um, bookshelf for a year. His name is Matt Davis, and he's probably listening to it right now, or to this podcast eventually. So I wanted to drop that because he gave me this the tape, and... It just sat there. And then I, I walked around um, because I didn't have any mode of transportation. I put it in my Walkman and just listened to it, and it grew on me. And then I became obsessed. And I, that, I'm not obsessed now because, I mean, I'm, I'm an adult and everything. But as a teenager, 
Oh boy, I I I was, and when Red Medicine came out, my middle name is Madison, believe it or not. So when Red Medicine came out, my name is Jared Madison, and I thought that they had written it about me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that they had written the the whole album about me. So I I eventually uh I talked to Guy and I asked him, "What's this about?" And he's like, "Well, it's about cough medicine." Well, my last name is Coffin. So, <laughs> So um, it, it's about cough medicine, and what he said to me made sense. He's like, at first, when you taste it, it's not so; it doesn't go down so smooth. But then, when you, you fit, when you're all done with it, it makes you feel better. That's what he said to me. So uh, that that that's that really stuck out with me, and uh, I, I was able to tell Ian that, and I, I guess you got a kick out of it. That you know that young that young mind that you have. So that that's my introduction to Fugazi in my life. That's great. Well, it's too bad it didn't turn out to be about you, but I mean, uh, good album anyway, right? <laughs> oh, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that dude. That reminds me of. I, you just reminded me of. I saw this clip somewhere um, where some young fan had gone to John Lennon's house, you know, back when he was alive, and this fan was like obsessed with John Lennon and and thought he was writing songs about him. <laughs> and like John John Lennon actually came out and talked to him. He was like, "Well, how could I be writing songs about you? I don't even know you." You know, stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, his his story didn't turn out too well in the end with uh, obsessed fans. But uh, I'm I'm sure you you are a uh, are a safe guy, and you're not going to oh, do absolutely. anything crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the fact that I can tell that to Ian, right? I, I actually yeah. said to him, "This is what I thought," and I I think it's so funny now, and he got a kick out of it. So. Yeah, today we're talking about Cassavetti's really big song uh, when it when it comes to how I think of the band. I mean, the first thing I should say about it is that obviously people who've been listening to this show are aware that I use it for my like cl- clips from it for my intro and outro music. And you know, it's funny, I didn't even really think about it very hard. I mean, I think it is a song that encapsulates who Fugazi is in many ways, but that didn't really enter it into me, into it for me. It just sort of came to me like this, the sonic qualities of it was like, I think that would sound great to start and finish a show. Um, there's just something about it. And so, so I hardly gave it a second thought. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to use little clips from Cassavetes in preparation for talking about this. I had previously watched maybe a few years ago, the killing of a Chinese bookie. But I had never seen anything else that Cassavetes had directed. Uh, this past week, I did go ahead and watch A Woman Under the Influence and Opening Night. Um, so that's that's the homework I did to be ready to talk talk about Cassavetes. How about you? Do you have any uh, introductory remarks for talking about this song? Uh, I too have. I had never watched uh, uh, any Cassavetes films. Uh, he he's a he's a man of a lot of influence and. Uh, uh, as we get into into a little bit of the story about Cassavetes, it's amazing. Uh, another thing is, um, the, the first line of the song is is not about Cassavetes. It's not from Cassavetes. Anything Cassavetes did, it's from a uh, a guy named uh, Juzo Itami. Uh, he was a director, and he directed this uh, movie called Tempopo in 1985, which is a, a a comedy about food. It's a Japanese, or I believe it's Japanese. It might be Chinese. I'm I'm not sure, um, but. Um, the weird thing about it, Tommy, was he killed himself by jumping off a building in 1997, and he had he had um, done movies about the Yakuza, uh, which mm-hmm. is the, the triads and everything. Uh, apparently, they didn't like it so much. He had been um, he had been accosted, and it, it actually made the government go after the Yakuza and cut down on them on, on the size and everything because they had uh, assaulted him after his movies. Wow! So 
they're saying there, there's speculation. Nobody knows that it was foul play that he actually did not jump off the building. So that that's just interesting. And that was well after the song was written. Yeah. But m- this is my last picture is actually uh, from Juzo Itami's uh, uh, Tempopo. Yeah, so that, I, I thought that was really interesting. That little tidbit about that line being from Tampopo, um, that's something that was mentioned in the 33 and a third book by our by friend of the podcast, Joe Gross. Another little tidbit from that book that I thought was interesting is, you know, Guy was explaining that his first job, let me just quote here. He said, my first job post paper route was as a movie usher in a suit and bow tie, first at the KB Cinema and later at a repertory house called the Georgetown Theater. That job was passed down to me from Henry Rollins and Ian Mackay, who established the punk rocker beachhead at that job. Um, so, yeah, basically both uh, Ian and Guy as uh, as young kids worked at movie theaters. So movies, the movies are sort of in the DNA of this band uh, in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's see. So you watched A Woman Under the Influence? I did watch it. Um, it. I did pause it in the middle because it's almost two and a half hours long. Right. It, it's it's good. The way that uh, Cassavetti's films, I, I, I did some reading about his documentaries and stuff like that, or a documentary about him. And while um, his film guy or his, his cameraman would be filming, he would walk over and he would bump him with his elbow. <laughs> and it would cause the camera to jump. And he'd be like, that's what I'm looking for while you're filming. I want it to shake. And he goes in for these close-ups that are they're uh, un- they're unconstitutionally um, uncomfortable. I'd have to say, yeah. The movie is so raw that it's almost like you're waiting for something bad to happen the whole time. Almost like that that uh, that new uh, TV show, Shameless. You're always just waiting for something to happen that's going to be like. But with uh, with um, Cassavetes, it doesn't always quite happen, but then it does. It, it's it's very it's. It, it makes you uncomfortable. So I understand the heart is beating like a riot, riot. Mm-hmm. I understand the crush my calm. I think that's so, that's so, that's so perfect. And I, I couldn't imagine seeing this movie in the early eighties or something like that in a the theater. It'd be, I don't know if I would do it. I, I don't know, but it, it was definitely an interesting watch. And it, it's so interesting when a filmmaker can create that much tension and like raise your pulse without action scenes car chases shootouts whatever but just by the like human drama they create and you're yeah i think you're right his the camera work in cassavetti's films definitely adds to that i was watching these movies thinking this guy is like the anti uh i don't know david fincher or whatever like somebody like that who a lot of the time in in the, the the movies of a director like that, you almost don't notice that a camera is there. It's it's framing a shot in a in a way where you can sort of see everything. It's giving you all the information you want. But in Cassavetti's, the the cameras is so active and it, it's doing so much. Um, it's uh, it's taking you to places where you don't necessarily want to go, showing you things that you don't want to see, getting too close for comfort. Um, and so you just notice the camera more as like as almost a character. Yeah, you can you can hear the actors breathing. You the mistakes. I'm not even sure if they're mistakes or if they're supposed to be that way when yeah. they stutter stuff like that. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be. I noticed in an early scene, uh, her, uh, Jenna Rollins' uh, mother is pulling out and the car stalls and she starts it again and then it, it, she just drives off. I wonder if that was supposed to be that way or or if it, it was just the way it was and they went from the beginning to the end nonstop. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There's this is of course ties into 
when Guy says in the song shot in real, real realism. Like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I was thinking that with in in the film opening nights. So one thing about Cassavetes, I noticed he, the realism extends to the smallest things like that. Um, there is this one shot that I noticed where the Jenna Rowland's character pulls up in a car um, and she in this film, she's a celebrity. Basically, she's a very famous Broadway actress, but the car pulls up and it's nighttime. There's light shining down and the window of the car is all like smudged with fingerprints and stuff. And I just feel like your average director of a of a mainstream Hollywood movie would just want that totally cleaned up. So there's there's no camera glare there's no weirdness there's no schmutz on the window or anything like that but uh cassavetes just lets it be um exactly so exactly i wonder if he goes as far as like smearing his hands all over it so so there would be some some extra realism i have no idea but it makes you wonder that he doesn't seem like the type he does not seem like the type that would do that he was like he wasn't like a ladies man but he was like a frank sinatra type guy like just very like just like like a, a good dresser and stuff like that. He's he's a hilarious guy. He for that time, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, but he he had a good sense of humor. Um, if if you ever get a chance to watch a Dick Cavett show with him, that 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 him and Peter Falk. I guess Peter Falk was a really good friend of his. Uh, Columbo. That was it, one of the most distracting things of uh, the film I just referred to, opening night, which doesn't star Peter Falk at all, but he does show up like right at the end of the movie, just as somebody who's in the audience of the of the play that's <laughs> happening it's so distracting like it's it's a very weird choice uh but you're just like wait was that peter falk and he doesn't do anything he doesn't have any lines he's just sort of there and you're like what well i i never knew any i don't know much about peter falk but i know he has that eye uh, the eye that goes off when he stares i don't know if it's a glass eye or, or what what it was yeah that's a glass eye it, it is a glass eye well he it's very obvious in this movie several times yeah, um, he, in in a woman under, under the influence. If you've never watched Columbo, uh, that's Columbo's really fun to watch. I recommend it. In one of the Columbo, Columbo's all like sort of mini movies. They're like one and a half hour long TV mm, episode yeah, movies. Yeah. I think in one of them, Cassavetes plays the villain. Um, so that's interesting. I I'm not. I don't remember if I've seen that one. Um, but yeah, love Peter Falk in that. The, the other thing to remember about Cassavetes is he was a he was a beginning actor. I mean, he acted in a lot of stuff. Yeah, which is um, I, that ties into an important part of the story. That's how he made his money, which he then in turn used to finance his independent films. Which is, I think, it's fair to say, the point of this song, um, the independence of Cassavetes from the film industry, and how that. Uh, really ties into what Fugazi were doing with their music and their records. I, I think you're exactly right. That is the point of this song to me. Uh, that's one of the reasons I picked this song is because it's so poignant and there's, there's not really much you can go around other than saying what it is. Um, Cassavetes does have an award, a spirit award named after him. And it's uh, as long as you have a budget of, of $500,000 or less, you're uh, eligible for this award. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a big deal. He still holds his part in in what Hollywood is today. But I think a lot of um, directors and people like that appreciate him. Everyday Joes don't know much about him unless you live during the time. I know Martin Scorsese is a huge fan of his. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me quote again from Joe Gross's 33 and a third book. Uh, Guy says, 
Um, people always talk about the sacrifices involved in doing things the way he did them, Cassavetes, and by extension the way we did them, while ignoring the opportunities and the creative license and the freedoms that are gained. To my mind, the sacrifices seem negligible when you see the payoff in his work. So that's really interesting. I was thinking about that um, where, yeah, uh, if Cassavetes, if these films had been financed by a major studio, there's no way they would have turned out the, the way they are and, you know, the choices that Cassavetes made, which in turn made me think about Fugazi. Like, what if Fugazi had been on a major label? How would their music have been different? I, it's it's almost unimaginable. Like, you, you it's, it's, it's impossible to think they would have made the same records they ended up making, really. Well, that's a big that's a big uh, issue uh, when we talk about the if there's ever going to be a reunion, what it's going to be like. And uh, personally, you know, I'm happy with what Fugazi's done. I really am. I am dreading having to pay five hundred dollars for a ticket that sold for five dollars. Yeah, I doubt that <laughs> so, would happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, or not even getting one at that. Uh, that that would that would ruin my decade if I wasn't able to attend something like that. So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I hear I hear what you mean about the the whole DIY thing, and uh, yet I, I I think that it, it when I saw uh, I, I was able to go up and see and meet Guy at the twentieth um, anniversary of uh, Instrument in New York City, mm-hmm. and um, he uh, he and Jem Cohen both um, mentioned Cassavetti several times, and this is like 20, 20 30 years after the, the song and everything, so it's still a big part of their the way that they, they think about film. And of course they were mentioning it about instrument, but I think a lot of the close-ups in instrument and stuff like that might've been inspired by the way Cassavetes does it. Yeah. And, um, I think just I mean, relatively recently, um, so Cassavetes never won an Oscar in his lifetime. Um, but I guess Jenna Rollins finally did. She, she, she had sort of, uh, a, I guess I guess the one of those career retrospective kind of um kind of Oscars uh where you know they just award her for her entire career basically an think, honorary an honorary Oscar yeah yeah I think that was in 2015 2015 um actually in 1975 she was uh nominated for the movie we were talking about a woman under the influence but Ellen uh, Burstyn beat her in that um for the Oscar it turns out Hollywood did not nominate her because of John. Oh, really? I've heard that several times for her, from her her own mouth that they came to her and told her she deserved this years ago, but it was because of Cassavetes that he, she did not get it. Well, so that's really interesting to me. I don't think I saw whatever movie it was with Ellen Burstyn, but man, um, in A Woman Under the Influence, Jenna Rollins is absolutely incredible. Like I've never seen a performance like that before by an actress. You know who she really reminded me of, and I kept on saying it. Uh, there, there's a uh, she's in the movie of uh, the show uh, Community. Her name is Jillian Jacobs. Do you know who she is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she did... really reminds me of her a lot, a lot. I, yeah, I, I don't see know that. how or why. That's but... interesting. Um, I, yeah, I yeah. could see I could see her as kind of a Jenna Rollins type. Yeah, sure. So Jenna Rollins, she was a beautiful woman, and in in his movies like in A Woman Under the Influence and Opening Night. So the camera loves her like in its own way, but it's definitely a different way from the way that, you know, mainstream films shoot their beautiful, glamorous actresses. Um, it's it's like um, Cassavetes uses sort of unflattering camera angles, like shooting her from sort of below at times. So you, so you can see like the 
the sort of like uh, the uh, fat under her chin, for example, extreme close-ups and like harsh lighting. So you can see the small wrinkles in her face and like the fine hairs on her upper lip, just little unflattering things like that, that uh, it's, it's like it lets it, it shows how beautiful she is, but also just the reality of what a beautiful woman actually looks like. Um, so it's, it's, it's just so different from your typical film to watch in that way. You're right. She she is a star. Definitely, there's no doubt about it. And she is very beautiful. But you know, in in that in the whole movies that I've seen, all the people are so realistic. They remind me of your like, your uncle at a family reunion. Yeah, stuff like that. And it's not like these beautiful Hollywood people that we see today, where it's all been polished and everything. It's 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 the way that I would like to see our film industry become again. In that sense, where the actors are just people. Uh, I, I thought that was really neat about cast uh, about that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Your standard director, if he has a beautiful actress, he wants her to look like 100% hot 100% of the time. Every shot is going to be centered around her looking absolutely beautiful. Um, but Cassavetes is more interested in realism. Um, so that's pretty cool. I, I think that I mean, since we're talking about Jenna Rollins and, and simply how she looks at the moment, um, it's interesting to bring up the La Tigra song about Cassavetes, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's I called... don't know much about it. I'm not, I, I mean, I appreciate Bikini Kill and, and stuff like that. Uh, I, I don't listen to them so much, but uh, I do know that Kathleen Hanna is in La Tigre, correct? Right. Or or was in it. And uh, I, I did listen to the song and it's called uh, What's Your Take on Cassavetes? And she says, misogynist, genius, alcoholic, messiah. Well, he was definitely an alcoholic because he, he died of cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah, no question about so, that. I would say that that if you die of cirrhosis or or and continue to drink after you're told that that's going on, uh, you you might have a problem. I, I, we're not going to get into that today, but uh, but uh, genius. I, I don't I don't doubt his genius. I don't I don't doubt that one bit. Misogynist, yeah. uh, definitely the acting. There's definitely a lot of misogyny in those movies. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is probably the main discussion point of that song. Um, and so, to be fair. I th- from what I read, I think it's the film called Husbands, th- where th- that has like prompted um, criticisms of misogyny. I don't know in in the movies that I saw, um, misogyny is definitely portrayed in the film, but I think it's very hard to make the argument that in the in the movies I saw at least that uh, it's it's portrayed positively. I mean. Uh, you know, watching Peter Falk in A Woman Under the Influence, like, I love that guy. I, I think he's such a great actor, but I hated him in that movie. He's so terrible. Um, he, and, you know, his his treatment of his wife, I don't, I don't think it's portrayed in any positive way at all. So it's, it's hard to read that as a misogynist film to me. If anything, I would say it seems like a feminist film. It's like a real um, sympathetic and insightful exploration of a female character who is who is also just realistically drawn, um, it sort of gets inside what makes her tick, her frustrations, the the things about domestic life that are sort of driving her to you know, quote unquote madness. Um, and whether whether she actually is crazy is definitely debatable. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess I have to watch more Cassavetes to uh, to be convinced that he's misogynist in any, in any way. Peter Falk in that movie, you know, I, I totally, I, I have pity for him. I, I totally understand. Other than his abuse, his physical and mental abuse, um, 
I see I see him as a caring person. Just he just has no idea on how to handle it. Yeah, and I think you're totally right. It, it's it's not the sort of I mean, if anyone is the villain in that movie, it's him. But but I don't think it's fair to call him a villain. I yeah, because I think you're right. I think Cassavetes is portraying everybody as everybody as something as somebody who acts the way they act because like for reasons. It's clear that he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to give his wife the um like like what she needs basically, which is um <laughs> for him not to not to flip out. He's he's so touchy and so sensitive. He's so concerned about what other people will think about what she does that he ends up blowing up at her and it's just yeah. this constant powder keg that's waiting to be set off between them. They seem in some ways they're so wrong for each other. Um, and and yet they do. I think it's I think it's clear they do love each other in whatever broken way they do love each other. Well, it's funny because when she's not acting too bad, he he yells at her, and when she's acting crazy, he he's 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 there and he's he's caring and trying to do stuff. Um, I think personally, if anybody deserved an Oscar, it's those kids in that movie because the, just the, at first I, I I need to warn anybody that hasn't seen Cassavetes. Uh, movies that this movie is is tough Th- there's some parts in it that would not fly today at all like giving alcohol to a, a five-year-old um th- there's there's just some parts so you you got to be ready for it but i've never seen anything as real as, as as his films that so that reminds me of something bringing up the kids that i was going to say which is um sometimes the tension of these films reminds me of fugazi uh, especially ian of course being confrontational with the audience um hmm. uh because you know when like whenever you were at a fugazi show and like ian would would harangue somebody um it would create this moment of sort of awkward tension um and you were uncomfortable uncomfortable in the moment um but that was sort of a, a part of it in an interesting way that maybe i maybe i didn't appreciate until watching these films i think to a certain extent maybe ian enjoyed just doing that i don't think he uh, like i don't think he cared as much as people maybe thought that he did i don't think he was really pissed off i think he just sort of enjoyed playing that part and creating these moments of tension um and and i think that relates to these films that i watched for me because um audience in each of the movies is um like Cassavetes uses that as a serious means of creating tension. So in opening night, um, the whole the whole drama is based around the fact that there will be a live audience. They're like rehearsing for this play and it's going really badly. The whole thing could turn out in, to be a fiasco. That's where the stakes of the whole thing come from is that there's an audience who's going to see it. And in A Woman Under the Influence, it's, it's like obviously, you know, the, the, the husband and wife character and the arguments between them are bad, but it's really the fact that this couple has children that makes their relationship so horrifying. So we have to watch these poor kids witness their parents' behavior. And that's like, that's really what makes it, I mean, both thrilling and, and terrifying. Um, and actually come to think of it in opening night, the play within the movie also has a scene where kids of a similar age are watching the adults have a screaming violent fight. Um, so it's like, it's all tied in in this interesting way of uh, Cassavetes and, and Fugazi, like just using the fact that an audience is there to up the stakes, I guess. 
if that all if that makes sense. Yeah, it it does. I mean, when I, what, all the shows I was at, I, I've seen several people ask to leave and, and giving their money back. Um, it seems like the Fugazi fans were all just where you were where you were explaining a little uncomfortable, but at the same time we uh, we understood it. We had seen it before. We under understood it. But there was also that quarter of the room, or, or whatever it might have been, that were just coming to say they saw Fugazi while they were in town, <laughs> and th- they weren't always so nice about the whole thing. And uh, I-, I always had mad respect for Fugazi. In fact, sometimes it could be that they could do no wrong. Um, but it's not it's not that way anymore as an adult. Um, for for uh, you know, I grew, grew up in the early '80s, so I had seen behavior. It was just on its way out, and I'm middle class uh, growing up which is a lot of the whole thing here. These are middle-class families um, acting this way. It's not lower class. It's not upper class where they, they get away with anything. It's it's families that we would have been in. Uh, a lot of people, the majority of America would have been in it from what I know. Um, so uh, it touches a, a part of me. While my family was not like that, um, my parents had adopted four kids. My parents were into service. They, they were great people. Hmm. My dad actually chauffeured around Martin Luther King Jr. when he worked in Boston, Whoa. which is pr- pretty amazing. I mean, it, it's pretty awesome stuff. And then he was an inner school uh, teacher in um, in Cleveland during the riots. Uh, he helped start the Head Start program with uh, uh, with the government and stuff like that. He was in that that group. He wasn't one of the names, but he was in, in that. So um, my family was always into service and stuff like that. So I was on the asker, but I I. I've seen it with family and stuff like that. I've, I've seen that kind of behavior. And yeah, it, it's. I think even if you had a good upbringing with good parents, everybody has those moments, especially I think if you have siblings, they're, they're always going to be a couple of those blow ups, like really terrible family fights that you can, you can relate to a film like a woman under the influence, even if it never got that bad or abusive. It's just a feeling mm. that I think is very common to people. Absolutely. Uh, I related to it right away. I mean, I, I, I think it's long and uh, there are scenes where, you know, the car is driving over the hill and then he captures it over the hill, driving over another hill where it's, it seems like it's 20 seconds too long, but at the same time, it, it since it's shot at that time, you can just like, admire the cars you can admire the street lights you can admire everything that's totally different from what the way it is today and i, I really appreciate that about his films that is true yeah i i noticed yeah in a woman under the influence the the beer that he's drinking and and letting <laughs> his kids have a taste of i didn't even recognize that brand of beer so yeah it's like a bygone era in some ways that's interesting to see yeah yeah um to um to bring up a couple of uh other points about the lyrics of this song that I think are are just um, th- that piqued my interest a little bit. I think the line "Hollywood, are you waiting on a sign?" That's that's sort of a, a clever little maybe joke about the Hollywood sign. Like there's <laughs> Hollywood has this gigantic sign saying its own name, but it yet it's a it's a city that huh. that needs a sign also uh, some some signposts to point it in the right direction. Um, I well, thought um, I thought the the line sad sad eyed mogul reaching for your wallet. Um, recently, I recorded an episode of the show where I sort of discovered that I think Guy is is like a really big Bob Dylan guy uh, in some understated ways. So I, I'm wondering if that sad eyed uh, adjective is a little reference to sad eyed lady of the lowlands by Bob Dylan. Wow. Um, there there are a couple of 
couple of little things like that that jumped out to me in the lyrics. Um, I think I think that sign analogy is, is really interesting. That <laughs> sign actually used to say Hollywood Land. It wasn't just Hollywood. Is that right? And they cut the rest of it off. It, they cu- it cost them like $29,000 to build that sign. I remember, did you ever see the movie The Rocketeer? I think there's like oh, a, yeah, yeah. A, there's a joke about that in that movie that that's how the Hollywood Land sign changed into Hollywood, but I kind of thought that was just a joke for the movie. <laughs> no, yeah, it was actually remember Hollywood was a was like America's first development from what I've heard in, in reading history. Uh-huh. It was America's first development and it was called Hollywood Land and then that's why they all uh, they were trying to do this this idea where houses were all in, in uniform and, and stuff like that. But they had this huge sign on the, on the hill that said Hollywood land. Hmm. So that, that's a, yeah. So I, I never realized that about the rock, that, that movie. I never realized that at all. Another line I would like to bring up is the start of the second verse. Uh, Guy says complete control for Cassavetes, which it seems to me like a reference to the song complete control by the clash. Do you know that song? Not off the top of my head. I'm I'm not a Clash guy. I appreciate them once again, but I, I don't. I, I will don't listen to them. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, um, so people can you know check it out if you've never heard it. But so complete control uh, is a song they wrote. Uh, I think I th- it was on their first album, like the U.S. version. I don't know if it was on the on the U.K. version, but basically it's a song about how just troubles with their record label like they wrote this song called remote control and the label wanted to put that out as a single and the band didn't want that to be out as a single they didn't want themselves represented that way but you know Mm. they had signed control over to the label um under maybe false pretenses right like i'm sure they were assured oh yeah you'll have control over your art you'll be able to do things the way you want to do them but it's it's sort of a whole song about how that didn't turn out to be true which I think is highly relevant to Fugazi's career and to uh, what they're saying in this song. Uh, so that's an interesting parallel to me. Yeah, definitely. Well, one line that I really love about this song, it's probably one of my favorite uh, Fugazi uh, lines. It's, it's probably because morally I feel the same way about the film industry is Hollywood uh, city of shame. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that is just it because it is. To me, to me at least, uh, from what I see here in Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from, um, it, it's a, it's not the same atmosphere as if I grew up in it. But um, I, I I was from the beginning. I was like Hollywood, you poor city of shame. Wow, that's that's just that's just great. And and then I got into, I I mean I've been able to thank you for writing the song because it got me to learn a little bit more about uh, uh, John Cassavetes. But um, yeah. And at the same time, the word poor in that line, too, is great. It's highly ironic, of course, because Hollywood is a place where a huge amount of money gets made. Uh, but in some very important ways, it is a it is a poor city. Uh, if we're talking in terms of, uh, you know, cre- real creative art, uh, it sometimes can be really disappointing in that way. Well, yeah, from here on the East Coast, what uh, what I see is stuff like um, Access Hollywood or inside edition or, or all that stuff or even on our nightly news we'll have a clip where it talks about a, a movie actor or something like that and if if you want to see me get yelling at the tv it's usually over something like that <laughs> so <laughs> i yeah i never come across that sort of thing on tv uh I, I i've sort of i'm like a cord cutter i i just have the streaming services at this point but you of course you can't go to a grocery store without seeing tabloids in the mm. uh, in the checkout aisle 
talking like about ridiculous gossip about movie stars, which is like, who cares? Who is buying this shit? Uh, yeah, and everyone has an opinion too, and it, it's yeah. <laughs> nobody ever sits back and says, you know, well, there, there are people that do that. There are I, I can't I can't say that. Um, I try to. I, I really do. I would but say my, that my sense of hu- my sense of humor sometimes gets the best. I mean, I start making fun of things <laughs> that I really have no business talking about sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Thus, th- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say, my, I think my favorite line of the song, if I had to pick one, um, is. Uh, basically, if it's not for sale, you can't buy it. I think that's that's the line that comes to my mind every time I think of this song. And it's, on one hand, it's a line that is circular, and it sort of reminds me of the, the phrase, it is what it is, which is a phrase that people criticize all the time. They're like, oh, that's meaningless. It's so stupid to say it is what it is, like, obviously. Uh, but I always disagreed with that. I think there's a lot of meaning in in that phrase, it is what it is. It, it tells you something uh, important uh, about a, a given situation. Like, you know, basically it, this, this can't be changed um, is what it's really conveying. And, but I think that's sort of similar with, with the line, if it's not for sale, you can't buy it on one level. It seems like, yeah, okay. It's obvious. If it's not for sale, you can't buy it. But you know, it's, it's a line that causes you to meditate on what it means like it's it seems like something that's invited by a circular statement like that just asking you to think about it um and and it's hard to realize until you do think about it for a while um something it's something i've been thinking a lot about uh with fugazi and their and their sort of diy way of doing things and discord and whatnot is so there's this there's this concept I'm not a psychologist but there's this concept of of mental schema which is basically the the patterns in which your brain sees the world and you sort of get locked into those patterns if you if if a certain set of things is all you see then that's all that you think is possible and and when it comes to artists and uh, big sort of deals with be it record labels or or movie studios or whatever. It seems like we we just have like two basic patterns for things, which is one: people who make a deal but they get screwed because they they had a bad deal. Um, they took the money and they they lost control over their art or whatever. In some way, they got screwed. Or, or B: people who make a really smart deal and and they do well um, with their Uh, negotiations with the studio but what we have almost no examples of famous examples at least is you know people like cassavetes bands like fugazi um the artists who just say no to signing over control um they just opt not to do it and they instead do it their own way with their own money and they're like okay here's what i made with my money if you would like to now buy the thing that i've made you're welcome to do that but we're going to do it on my terms like i'll set my prices um, I'll make the art I want to make. I'll release things uh, the way I want to release them. And that's just not a psychological schema that that we see a lot in our day-to-day lives. Um, so that's one of the reasons I think Fugazi is important. It shows us that it can be done, and there are not enough people showing us that. <laughs> that's exactly what I was just going to say. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, Fugazi showed me how to live and do the, make the right choices. And I say, well... I always knew how, how to live. They showed me that it could be done. Right. And, and I'm, that's so funny that you said that because that was going right through my mind right before you it came out of your mouth. So 
<laughs> we're on the same page there, definitely. I, I don't disagree with that. Awesome. Um, we haven't talked too much about the, the sound of the song yet and the music in it. Um, is there anything you'd like to say about that? Other, uh, you, you did mention the guitars in the beginning. Well, um, yeah, um, this song is, is strange because uh, Guy, when he comes in, he's like, shut up, and he, he's yelling that. And uh, it's, he sounds, it's one of the more angry-sounding songs. But once you get to know Fugazi and you understand the lyrics and you understand where it's coming from, there's no reason to be angry. He's just imitating Cassavetes, so, or not Cassavetes, but he's imitating uh, uh, Juzo. Uh, and I, I don't think Shut Up was part of that. I, I think my last, this is my last picture, but I think it gives a great effect lyrically. And uh, I think, uh, I think I, I like it when Guy is angry like that, uh, when he sings like that. I, I, I think that's a really great feature. Um, I did listen to the, the, the um, Steve Albini uh, version of this. And the guitar is on on Guy's guitar, which is the, the screaming one, the one that, that screams. Um, it's 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 way down low. The low the volume levels are way low, and um, it it it's not it doesn't quite do it for me. So I understand what they were talking about about volume levels and everything on those issues. But that the chorus, the guitar that Ian plays, um, that chorus is, is typical Fugazi. It, it would explain it. And the funny thing to me was the third the third time I listened to your podcast, uh, I think I maybe it was the fourth, uh, I had contacted you like minutes before I listened to that one. And I said I would like to do Cassavetes if, if we couldn't get Jem to do it. And um, what happened was uh, I listened to it and I realized that Cassavetes was your song to start it off. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... This song screams Fugazi to me a hundred percent. The the Fugazi that I I know and love, and it, it's dark. That 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 verse is very dark. The guitar playing in the back um, is is very dark. It's got that. I don't even. It's like that that double picking that Ian does that I can't find in most anything but Hendrix mm-hmm. st- style. Um, like it, he does it in Target. He does it in the beginning of Styrofoam, and he does a little bit of pick scraping in this, which I, I think is is amazing. I, I think it definitely is one of the things I love about this band is, is that style and that deep, a deep sound. Yeah. It's I, I, I listened to the Albini demo too. Um, it's, I would say it's much sort of messier, uh, bassier. It has a, like a heavier sound in the demo. It's, it's definitely a little bit slower and more clunky. Um, to me, it's, it's interesting. I think to me, it's definitely not as good on the demo as as the eventual uh, record version would be. I don't feel that way about all the demos. I, th- I believe I said in in our first episode, twenty three beats off. I think I like the Albini demo better on that one. Me too. Me too. Um, me too. But yeah, for this one, for me, Killtaker version all the way. Um, and it, it it always makes me wonder, like, because I think Albini's a great engineer, and I'm like, well, yeah, like I I wonder about the bands that really shown with him like what if the pixies had recorded surfer rosa with um don Zantara instead like would that have sucked would it have been better it's it's very well, weird to think that about. was just a demo if, if you recall that was just a demo it wasn't the finished right, version right, right. of so that never came that, that never went into any kind of uh fruition or uh, uh tangibility it, it just they stopped right there on the way back. That they, yeah. I think it was Pennsylvania that they they heard it. They they popped it in the, in the car and they both got to DC and they were in separate cars and they said, uh uh-uh. uh yeah. <laughs> basically at the same time too. 
Um, but yeah, I, I also, I agree with you. I love the guitar stuff here. It's, it's another example of that classic, uh, Fugazi guitar style where Ian is doing some, some chugging kind of guitar stuff Mm -hmm. and Guy is doing high notes and those, those wild slides on his, uh, guitar. That's really cool. Um, Joe, for most of the song, I'd say Joe is just kind of holding it down. Although the bass line right at the end gets so much cooler. He he throws in these extra little notes. Um, I love that. Right. <laughs> like that that little part that he does at the end, that could be the foundation of an entire Fugazi song, but instead it's just sort of like a fancy little thing he does at the end of this, which is, is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I was also going to mention, you know, you talked about geese screaming shut up in the beginning the way his voice clips on that like he's he yells it so loud that you can tell it's clipping the um the recording desk or whatever it's like sort of compressing his voice Mm, yeah sounds so so cool so hardcore his his vocal in general on this is is just wild like he's going nuts it's Um, not annoying though that's what and that's pretty cool no no if you can clip without it being annoying that's that's great yeah i especially love he that vocal trill he does when he says Rollins, he's like Rollins. <laughs> he does that. He does that in a couple like live songs too. Yes, I, I hear yeah. it quite a bit. Maybe that's his French uh, and Italian upbringing. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's but, one of my favorite little gee tricks. I also want to give a shout out to that drum intro. It's tremendous. Oh, yeah. I love the drums in the intro. And last time, I promise, I'm going to quote from the 33 and a third good, book. Good, good. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so, this is this was crazy to me because Brendan said that uh, Ted Nicely was really on top of that song. He basically wrote the drum intro because um, uh, in the beginning, Brendan was just playing it as, as sort of a, I don't know, it was just more normal. Uh, but Ted was like, no, here, here's what you got to do. And just did the exact thing so that blew my mind i'm i'm one now wondering how much of a role he played in some of their other songs that i think are just you know classic uh just brendan parts or or the band on the whole like uh how many ideas like that did he have uh the the only other thing i think i really wanted to mention about Guy and the lyrics is the line bust a genre it for so long i had no idea what he was saying there <laughs> That's such a hard line to understand. I think the like genre is a French word. It's it's hard enough to just say in English, but to sing like that in a song like this, it's like you're like, what is he saying? Is he saying position? Um, so I thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, uh, one more thing uh, is that I was listening to some of Fugazi's classic concerts from the Fugazi Live series on Discord.com, um, which I always encourage our listeners to. Uh, go buy some of those but there's this uh, famous couple of concerts in september of 1993 they did in new york city um so i was listening to that and and gee introduces cassavetes he says this is a song about making your own road so there you go uh, straight from the horse's mouth um yeah which yeah. which by the way as i was r- reading the wikipedia page for cassavetes and there was there was nothing on the whole page about uh fugazi so uh, if you read that page now, I'm the guy who added the line on Cassavetti's Wikipedia page about the Fugazi song right under the the uh, La Tigra entry. So um, you're welcome, folks. Wow. I, well, that there you go. If you have learned and done anything, <laughs> I was like, um, it needed to be done. <laughs> they've always they've always uh, canceled my suggestions on Wikipedia. So oh oh, you I hope have that to, gets on there. <laughs> you have to be good. 
you have to be good to make a Wikipedia edit that survives. Uh, so I hope mine does because because damn it, Fugazi deserves to be mentioned on that page. In my oh opinion. yeah, I think I think John Cassavetti's got a lot of listeners. And let me also mention his son is Nick Cassavetti, who wrote uh, who directed the Notebook. And I think did did uh, did you get a Jenna Rollins? Did you get a, a, a an award for it or Best Picture? You know, I I don't know, and I had never I wouldn't previously be been. If she did, but I don't know either. Yeah, I had never been interested in watching the Notebook, sort of until I realized uh, that Nick Cassavetes directed it. So I, I don't know. Maybe now I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'll. I think uh, I think you probably should have a box of tissues with you because it it's a tearjerker. Okay. There's no doubt about it. I've seen the end part. Um, I work in in the healthcare industry a little bit, and I deal with Alzheimer's patients quite a bit. And this this story is about Alzheimer's, and it, it's Ooh, that it, sounds it's rough. not it's it, it is rough. It is it is, and it, it's actually a beautiful story. So uh, I'm not I'm not a big love story fan, but uh, uh, I do have feelings, and uh, <laughs> this one that that story got to me. So it, it's a beautiful beautiful thing to watch, actually. Well, speaking of feelings, Jared. Uh, please join me in a segment called Ratings. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? And tell me how you feel about Cassavetti's on a scale of one to five stars. Can you rate this song in terms of the Fugazi catalog? Ever since I heard you start doing this, um, uh, I've been thinking. I've been well. I've been thinking about the five star songs, and. Uh, for me, songs like Smallpox Champion and Rendit get five stars. Cassavetti's too. This is one of the albums. While it's not my favorite album, um, I don't really have favorite albums, but I relate to um, Steady Diet of Nothing the best, which is a not many people have that that feeling about it. But um, Cassavetti's for me is definitely a five star. I've, I've been playing with that for a while, and there's no doubt about it. It's five stars for me. For me, I think this is such... I think this is a great song. I think it falls just short of my top tier Fugazi songs. I think I'm going to go 4.5. It still is really, really good, and I, I like it a lot. Just the One of my favorite things about it is the sway of the chorus. Da, 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 da. It's It has such a great feel to it, um, and, and I do love it in that way. So, yeah, this is this is one of the great ones uh, for me. Big, big ratings, 5 and 4.5. Huge. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it's got that feeling. Yeah, definitely. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> it's it's one that you would want. You'd really be excited about if they pulled that out at a live show and you get to like jump around to that chorus. Sounds... I could have sworn I had seen it live. I could have sworn I had. But every show I go back and look at, I they didn't play it live. So hmm. w- for me, for, for the shows I went to. So I, I must have just watched it so many times on YouTube or whatever that yeah. I thought I saw it live. <laughs> um, well, Jared, let's talk plugs. Where can listeners reach you? Do you have any projects or anything like that you want to plug? Uh, it's your time. Sure thing. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, just under my name, Jared Coffin. Uh, my last name is like the box that you die in, C-O-F-F-I-N. So um, that is my last name. It's not a punk pseudonym or anything. It's <laughs> it's the way it is. Um, uh, I, I am a photographer. Uh, I work in EMS. I'm, I'm not a, an EMT or anything like that, but I, I do transports and stuff like that for uh, discharges and stuff like that at hospitals. Um, but uh, I am a photographer and I'm working on a, a book, hopefully, uh, 
in the next couple of years, I'm doing it really easy. Uh, it's, it's about my County Berks County, which is, uh, right in central Pennsylvania. Um, and it's going to be like treasure spots, um, of pictures that I think are great in the area, um, like trees or something like that, that might be developed in, in the future. Um, but it's just going to have the GPS coordinates. It's not going to have anything about what I say about the picture. And it's just going to be like a big treasure map that you can drive around the County and get, get an idea. So I'm working on that. That's just my own personal thing. Um, uh, you can you can also join the this would this would be great too if you join the uh, this is not a Fugazi Appreciation Society um, just to show you what we how we work that's not the original name of the group we were just called the Fugazi Appreciation Society and we had a member uh, say say to the group why is this not called this so <laughs> we decided <laughs> we decided to change it and um, like we can get we can get in touch or get you in touch with the people that you you want to get in touch with if you have questions about who to talk to and 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 things like that maybe people at discord or maybe um uh, like anybody in the fugazi world um we might be able to steer you in the right in the right direction so we we'd love to have you join we're on facebook um you just have to answer a couple questions cuz you know the whole spam thing but it's not to judge you or anything like that it's just to get you in the door um and other than that, uh, I, I'm just really glad that that this is an opportunity. Um, I am really pleased that I could I I could do a little mark and equate myself with Fugazi this way. I never planned on doing anything like this, and it's 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 just been a really great opportunity. Um, I, I have to thank the band. The band has done so much. I, every time I've met, I've 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 met all of them, and. Uh, Every time I've met them, they've given me the time. They weren't like next in line or anything. They always gave me the time that I asked for. So I thought that that was really cool. All the way from Ian to Brendan to Joe. Um, I remember when I saw Brendan with, with the, the Mesetics in Harrisburg. He grabbed me right after the show and he was drenched <laughs> and he gave me a huge hug. And I thought that <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's not only is that funny, but that's really cool. So, I mean, I, I love these guys. I, I think I think they're really important. And I don't, I, I couldn't tell you where I'd be today without them. Uh, uh, maybe guiding, guiding me, um, and giving me some kind of soundtrack to my life. Uh, that, that's the way I look at it. But uh, I, I think that pretty much covers everything. And I, I, I want to thank you. I, I think when I first heard your podcast, I'm like, wow, this guy is really good at podcasts. I, I would like to be a part of this. Oh, so, that's, um, that's really sweet of you to say. Thank you, man. Well, I, I think you, you have a voice and you have a pers personality that's very comfortable. I, I got to tell you, I was a little bit nervous. I've never done anything like this before, but you made it very easy. And uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you talking with me. So thank you. And and good luck with that book. That's a really cool idea. And I, ever since I started this podcast, it's just made me so much more appreciative of other people's like um, just crazy little project ideas that they are passionate about. Um, so thanks for doing that. And, uh, definitely let me know if, if that comes to fruition. Um, and I definitely will. In fact, I'll get you out of coffee if it ever comes to fruition. <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, well, yeah, I'll, I'll be seeing you around the, uh, your Facebook page and, um, listeners as for me, you can always, uh, also look into the Facebook page for the alphabetical Fugazi and, uh, tell us what you think about Cassavetes. Um, and if you want to reach me on email, it's fugazi a to z at gmail.com. So please join me again for the next episode when we will be discussing caustic acrostic. Until then, keep your eyes open. This